Hello, and welcome to Talking Dirty at the Library, where we'll talk about what's growing here in Athens and Limestone County, Alabama. Each podcast features master gardener experts discussing ways we can cultivate better gardens and better lifestyles through local gardening and Limestone County Extension programs. Hello, we're glad to have you back at Talking Dirty at the Library. My name is Emily Clem, and today I'm talking with... Diane Young. We're both master gardeners, and our topic today is tips for August and September, and we also have a few random questions that uh, have been asked by various people. But I wanted to tell you, Emily, I was looking online, and I found some funny jokes, gardening jokes, of course. Great. Uh, Knock, knock. Who's there? Turnip. Turnip who? Turn up the music, less salsa. (laughs) All right, I've got one too. All right. What do you call a country where the people drive only pink cars? I have no idea. Pink car nation. Oh, (laughs) that's cute. (laughs) All right. Those those sort of in the category of dad jokes, aren't they? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right. Our first question has to do with a lawn. What can you do with a lawn that requires less maintenance and still has curb appeal? Now, I have to say, I am a native plant enthusiast, and so all of my comments and opinions are from that perspective. There is no good native turf grass. St. Augustine is native, but it does not grow so well in North Alabama. So what are your options What can you do with your lawn that does not require constant spraying, watering, etc.? Well, again, my opinion from the native plant perspective is you get away from the golf course vision and go to what I'm going to call the park vision. I was in Philadelphia not long ago, and one thing big cities do better than maybe towns the size of Athens, is they have these lovely parks. Well, the parks were not covered with turf grass. The parks had whatever occurred there naturally. Yes, it was mowed and taken care of, but there was clover. What's not pretty about clover? Oh, absolutely. I love clover. And so do the bees, right? Absolutely. So I think to change your perspective to something more like a park vision, where you don't have to have this absolute carpet of green grass, but you have something that looks like the ground at a park. Um, This may involve naturalizing. Now, again, the native plant person says naturalizing is great. Just like other landscape projects, it may require you to do more planning than you think. It's not just like, let it go. Uh, You have to plan what goes in there, and you have to think in layers where you have trees, you have the understory, and you have things like perennials on the ground. So naturalizing, I think, is a great option. Oh, yeah. It sounds really pretty. You know, ground cover can take up a lot of lawn, and you could use, like, I love creeping blocks. I love it. And I was trying to think that little evergreen. In the way of native ground covers, there are some good ones, particularly in partial shade. Yep. Green yeah. and gold is one. It has little yellow flowers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very aptly named. The mm-hmm. leaves are green, the flowers are gold. Yeah. Green and gold. <laughs> it is really pretty. 
And the Huntsville Botanical Gardens is a great place to go. Oh, yeah. You look at that stuff and you get so many great ideas. Right. And here at the library, we have a library garden that has opened just this summer. And the emphasis there is on native plants. So you'll see a lot of good things now. That garden is full sun. So just like any plant you choose, you've got to consider, is it a shade plant or a sun plant? Mm-hmm. Sun plants don't do well in the shade, no, and shade no. plants are going to die no, in the sun, no, no. as we have all learned at some time by experience. <laughs> yes. Very sad experience. Yes. Although I do have some hostas, they do get the morning sun, and I love hostas, and they're a great shady plant too, though. They, they tolerate shade very well, but they will take some sun. And someone once told me the green to yellow hostas do better in the oh, sun yes, yes. than the bluer mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Um, other than that, for your lawn, consider a rock garden where you plant um, succulents. And I do think even if you're going to naturalize, I think some hardscape yeah. breaks it up a little bit. <laughs> Here is my number one rule of landscaping. Make it look like somebody cares. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. Diane, what have you got? Well, I was looking at a, a question. I need a small ornamental tree for my front yard that gets full sun. Any recommendations? Well, one that I think of and I think is beautiful is the Japanese maple. Because of the colors, I have some dark uh, purplish, and they're beautiful, I think. Mm -hmm. And they don't require anything except maybe remove some limbs or bring them up. Because sometimes they grow kind of low and it's hard to cut under them. Uh, And I love dogwoods. But then dogwoods are more under kind of story tree. They like to be in shade. Whoever owned my house had planted some dogwoods. One has totally died, mm-hmm. and the other one looks like, hey, I'm not too happy. And I hate it because I love them. Right. But a, they are so beautiful. A happy dogwood needs to be in the understory. Yeah. They'll do great as young trees. Mm-hmm. It's when they get older, older yes, yes. that they don't bloom pretty anymore. No, they start having lots of dead limbs that mm-hmm. have to be removed. Mm-hmm. So watch out for that. Some other small or- ornamental trees, a service berry. Yeah, that's really nice. I have one in my yard, and it's got flowers in the spring. Mm-hmm. It's got berries in the summer, and it turns pretty colors in the yeah, fall. Yeah, I like those kind of trees. By the way, I found out why it's called service berry. Why is it? Because it comes out early in the spring when you would have services like funerals and weddings. Oh. Of course, this is a tradition that we don't really hold to around here, but in maybe the Appalachian Mountains, yes, they might wait until spring to have a funeral. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a service berry. Do you know what a fringe tree is? Yes, I have a friend, have two. Uh, do you really? Mm-hmm. They are really cool, I think. They're really nice. They are. Also called Grancy Greybeard. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that name. And something I found out, (laughs) because I love French trees, had seen them, bought two, planted them, and then waited about eight years for them to bloom. Oh, really? Yes. They should call that the... um, Wait a while. (laughs) Wait a while tree. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize it took them that long. Uh, It's worth the wait, because when they bloom, they are just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And they are a nice little tree. Well, I think also it's pretty around here. We have a lot of them, and that's crepe myrtle. Mm -hmm. It's not, I guess, a tree. Maybe it's considered a shrub. It can be either either. Okay. I'm not a crepe myrtle fan. I just love the bark. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Love the bark. When the bark falls off and it's the skin is the so peel. pretty. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. I, and they do bloom a long time. They do. What I don't like about crepe myrtles, and again, from the native plant perspective, they don't feed anything else. No. Except Asian and Japanese beetles. You know how some plants you'll read on the tag that this is this is good for butterflies. Uh-huh. All right, if they put a tag, this is good for Asian and Japanese beetles. <laughs> you don't want it. See, I don't have that problem with mine. It's not. It's the white rose. They will eat that thing to the stem. Mm-hmm. Always have, always will, I guess. But they don't bother the crepe myrtles any. And I've also heard when the crepe myrtle blooms, that's when we start having hummingbirds. I don't know if that's true or not. I've been putting out food for a while now, and I really hadn't seen any. Uh The other thing about crepe myrtles, uh, they put those shoots out from the bottom. That's what I'm saying. It depends. If you want it as a bush, yeah, it will become Mm -hmm. a bush. If you want it as a tree, you'll have to keep the bottom cleaned out Mm -hmm. and let it grow a little bit. They don't usually get too terribly tall. I think it depends on what you buy. I think what I don't like about crepe myrtles the most is they've been overused. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's got crepe myrtles. You know? Right. Um, a pawpaw tree. Even a crab apple. I think crab apples are pretty. Boy, they put out those pink flowers. They're gorgeous. Yeah. A red bud. Oh, yeah. But they can get tall. They don't necessarily stay small. Right. But I planted one this year, just a little stem with maybe two roots on it. Uh-huh. And it's probably close to five feet tall right now. Well, and I had a red bud that got cut down probably 20 years ago. I uh-huh. still have volunteers coming up in uh, the yeah. yard. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites is the magnolia, the sweet bay magnolia. Uh-huh. Not the big magnolia. No, I was thinking they get huge. The sweet bay stays fairly small, has a bloom like the magnolia. Its leaves are not as waxy. Uh-huh. It's a little less stiff. But I really like my Sweet Bay Magnolias. Mm -hmm. One other thing about putting a tree in the front yard, do not plop it down right in front of the front door. Or around your water lines. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Consider planting three instead of one. And try to frame your front door instead of blocking it from view. Mm -hmm. And and think about what windows you're going to look at. When you look out the window, what are you going to see? Yeah, that's always a good idea. Right. So a few things to consider when you're choosing a tree for the front yard. Okay, Diane, what kind of things do you consider when you select plants? Well, the first thing, as we talked a minute ago, is does it take shade, partial shade, full sun? I mean, that's very important or you're just going to be heartbroken. Uh, Another thing that you need to think about, is it this area? Because we're in, I believe, zone 7. Uh-huh. Usually it'll say it on the plant tag. Is it a perennial or annual? I mean, you've got to think about what you want. And also, really important, especially like if it's a vine, is it invasive? Because that thing may be the bane of your existence. As I know, in some cases, some people have had just a little plant they planted, and now it's taken over the world. And what vine has done that? Well... Wisteria, wisteria did it. Yeah. I would think wisteria because a house we used to live at, their vines were thicker than my arm. And I cut it back, cut it back, trying just to just to 
back away a little Keep bit, under stay away. But I never could. It was uh-huh. it was giant. It was taking uh-huh. over the world. And it, uh-huh. but it was but wisteria is beautiful. If you can keep it contained, it's really pretty. Uh, How many of us, including anyone listening to this, who has selected a plant and then 10 years later wished they had given it more space to grow? That is true. That is true. Yep. We all do that with it. (laughs) Yeah, that's something also, you know, usually they'll say give it four feet distance because it's going to spread out. Yeah, look at look at that tag. What yeah. does it say about the spread? Mm-hmm. You know, it may look like it's a small thing now, but seven years is how long you're supposed to give it to be a mature plant. Mm-hmm. What's it going to look like in seven years? Yeah. And do you really want to have to prune it back <laughs> all the time? Yeah. Okay, another question. What are some plants and bushes that resist disease, especially ones that bloom? Well, I jumped on this because you're talking about a native plant. If you bring something in from somewhere else like Asia or Europe, then the disease resistance may be there, it may not. Uh, If you're looking at things that have been here for thousands of years, then they're in their habitat. And so any enemies that they have, most of the time we think of insects, yes, an insect will eat some of your native plant, about 10% of it. That means you're going to have to look hard to see that insect damage. Oh, yeah. Again, you bring in something from Asia, and the Asian beetles are going to go for it. So that's my main answer there. Look for things that are native. Now, what do you say? What's native? And I'm going to refer you to a book. This is the book I use more than anything else on my shelf. Native Plants of the Southeast, a comprehensive guide to the best 460 species for the garden. Every native plant does not belong in your garden. Well, no. You don't call a native plant invasive, but you do call it aggressive. (laughs) Or it does not play well with others. (laughs) Yes, that's a good rule of thumb, too. Yeah. But this book is by Larry Melichamp. I think he's from North Carolina. And he has a star system. So I pretty much ignore his one star, two stars, and I look for the three and four stars. So look for native plants, even on your foundation. What do you usually think of as a foundation planting? Probably nandinas or hollies. Hollies, that's another one. It's Mm -hmm. another bane in my existence. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Boxwoods. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks they're nice when they're little, and then eventually, like recently, a neighbor of mine dug them all up. I, I had boxwoods that lined my beds. Uh-huh. I got so tired. <laughs> Pruning them constantly. And when we decided to go more native, we hired somebody to come dig them up, and I just loved watching them being dug yeah. up. <laughs> uh, Let me give you an idea of something that's kind of neat to do in a foundation planting. Blueberries. Now, that's a good idea. But I will say this. and Say the house has been treated for termites or something like that. You're not sure what is in that ground around your house, especially if you buy an older house. And that's the only thing I'd say, not putting fruit that you might eat or vegetables or, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, That is a concern. I used something that's a a blueberry. It's in the same genus, but a different species. So it's a cousin to the blueberries that we eat. 
And it has that beautiful little pink growth that blueberries have in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've enjoyed those. I also have put switchgrass in my foundation planting to give yeah. it some height. Yeah, yeah. So I also like beautyberry. Oh, yes, I love beautyberry. Yeah, it's going to get pretty big. Yeah, so you got to give it space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's really neat. Now, I did fight it. We had a pasture, and I did fight it because it had taken over. So I did fight it for a while. I did win. But now I wish I had some. <laughs> I have a cluster of three in uh-huh. my naturalized area. Mm-hmm. And in the fall, when it puts out those purple lavender oh, yes, berries, yes. oh, it's just gorgeous. Yes. And and I think that's important to look for plants that have multi-season interest. Yeah, they flower. They have maybe a berry or fruit that's really pretty. And then in the fall, their leaves could change total color and really add some interest instead of green, 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 green. And to have something that blooms, that's great. Oh, yeah. But often plants just bloom for two weeks, and they're done. Yeah. I think of the Yoshina cherries that were once so popular. Uh-huh. Oh, it was a beautiful cloud for about 10 days. <laughs> and then they were not well adapted to live here. And so by the 4th of July, they'd lost most of their leaves, looked like a dead tree. Yeah, yeah. But they were pretty for two weeks. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's something else you need to think about. And also about diseases. As natural plants, usually, if they're in this area, they're pretty adapted to the humidity, the insects, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also might not require as much watering. Right, once they're established. Yeah, once they're established. Right. Now, how many years has it been since we had that awful drought where we went three or four months oh, without rain? That was horrible. Yes, and so we actually still have plants that are damaged from that. Mm-hmm. There's always something that seems to pop up and it spreads, like the dogwoods. They're having attacks. Right. My dogwoods have trouble with the mildew, and I've tried spraying them, but really hasn't helped much. Mm-hmm. Okay, those were our four questions for today. Um, how about some garden tips for August? Well, of course, the main one is to, you know, water 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 because it's usually one of our drier months unless a hurricane blows through um you know that you can take your hydrangeas and azaleas and by layering them on the ground you could propagate them later um that's pretty easy for a hydrangea you just pull a low branch down mm -hmm. put a brick on it yeah and come back in a few months and you've got a new plant that you can share or move somewhere else in your yard yeah uh, also, don't be fertilizing in late summer. It's not a good idea. I had a man, uh, when I was at the Master Gardener help desk here at the library, and he came and he said, I need to ask you a question. My wife and I have a disagreement. He said, you know, in the late summer, like it was getting to be at that time, he said, your grass goes dormant and it's all dried out and everything. I said, yeah. He says, I believe in fertilizing it so it'll help it. And I said, no, don't fertilize it because it's, it's put stress on it. Right, that's asking it to grow. To grow when there's when, when conditions aren't great for growing. No, it knows. Right, it's got the right idea. You could fertilize your if you got Bermuda grass or a St. Augustine grass. You can fertilize with nitrogen. Um, I'm not a believer in huge lawns. I don't believe in watering them, but that's just me. Like I say, I like clover things like that that are pretty. They don't have to really be mowed. 
because it doesn't get tall and you're always going to have something though coming up in it and you'll have to trim it some but don't cut your grass so short about a third i think they recommend when you mm-hmm. cut don't don't scalp it and clover feeds the bees that's right and it feeds and your ground pollinators. it also feeds your ground uh-huh it does yeah, it does um roses which i love and everybody loves roses but I think you have to have a special talent for it. But you want to keep them healthy. Like I say, I have a white one that the Japanese beetles love to death. And I don't know how to kill them. You just pick them off and throw them in soapy water is all I know to do. Yes. Um, maybe prune them a little bit. That's not really point in trying to fertilize this time of year. Your perennials and annuals, of course, water them. If you want to keep them pretty deadhead. Maybe trim some back. They get a little leggy. Less plant requires less water. Yeah. So cutting them back is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can always be planting some seeds still. You can get your beans and squash. Although it's, squash doesn't really appreciate the really hot, uh, dry time of year. Beans, I don't think, care much. You can be putting in kale and collards and things like that. Because it'll be getting cold. We don't believe it. But one day it will dry <laughs> Okay, and I'm going to talk a little bit about September. By the way, you can find all of this on the website for the extension surface. Uh, that is acesaces.edu. Or That's, you can call our county extension office. Right. You can always That's just pick there. up the phone and call Chris Becker, and he will mm-hmm. answer your questions. Yes. ACES stands for the Alabama Cooperative Extension Service. And it's .edu because their purpose is to educate. Mm-hmm. So in September, I think of September as a good time to really plan for the future. Yeah. Because it's still hot. You're really not going to get much going as far as new plants that will bloom immediately. Although I'm sure there's some annuals you can still do. Uh, my favorite September flower is goldenrod. And there's some really nice hybrids of goldenrod, one called Fireworks, that's a, oh, how do I describe it? It looks like fireworks, arching (laughs) branches. It's just really pretty. So uh, goldenrod we generally regard as a ditch plant, but it's pretty. And it is not what gives you allergies in the fall. That's the ragweed. Uh, so plant goldenrod with the confidence that it's not the one that makes you sneeze. That's what I was just thinking about when you said goldenrod. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, it's the ragweed, ragweed. not the goldenrod. Uh, so on the ACES website, you will find a calendar with gardening tips for every month. And it talks about specific Alabama issues. In fact, it'll divide it into North Alabama and South Alabama. Because if you've spent much time in South Alabama, you know things are a little different there. Uh, my father, who was raised in South Alabama, said he did not know graham crackers were crisp until he left home. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, a few tips for September. What might you plan? You want to look at your plantings and say, all right, what does it need? What do the shrubs need? Do I need to dig this one up? Do I need to plant a new one? Is there something that has died back that you need to replace? Because fall is a great time to plant. You plant a shrub in the fall, it gets to lay dormant sort of during the winter, 
get used to where it is, and that it's it's ready to go in the spring. Uh, look for damage from insects or disease, and this is a good time to prune things back. For your lawn, again, September's not a whole lot different from August. Yeah. With your lawn, you want to mow every five to ten days to remove just a third of the grass height. Annuals and perennials. Again, you can still plant this stuff. In fact, it's a good time to plant perennials. But after about September, that's probably over. Maybe maybe in October. Uh, big thing to do this time of year is divide old clumps of perennials. All right. Last year, I did peonies. I found you can learn anything on YouTube, and I found a video of how to divide peonies. Basically, you dig it up, you take your hatchet, uh-huh. and you chop it into pieces. Yeah. I had realized my peonies were not blooming like they used to. By the way, peonies aren't native, but I love my peonies. But every southern gardener's got to have peonies. Yeah, but I dug them up, chopped it into pieces, replanted in my spaces, and then I took the rest of them and potted them up mm-hmm. and took them to the Master Gardener's plant yeah. sale. Yeah. So if you bought a peony at the plant sale this year, it might have come from my house. But that taught me irises. It's a good time to divide those. Oh, you know, if you're noticing, gee, I only saw three of those pretty white irises. Mm-hmm. I used to get 20 mm-hmm. blooms. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's time it's to time. divide them. So um, good time to plant spring flowering bulbs, but wait till later in September. Oh, absolutely. the heat could still get them. Clean up infestations of insects on azaleas, camellias, everything else. This is this is a good time because insects grow all summer, and by August, September, they're at their peak. Yes, yes. An um, oil spray is a good thing mm-hmm. to use for Especially those insects, like white flies. Because think about it, an oil spray makes it hard for them to grip on the plant. Their little feet just slide right off. Good time to build a compost bin or box. Leaves. Let's talk about leaves. Oh, yes. What's more fun than raking leaves? <laughs> well, see, that's one thing. I don't have leaf problem because I don't have any big trees in my yard. But it just, I guess, grinds my gears when I see them in those bags, sitting in the street, waiting for somebody to come throw them in the, you know. Right. Because here's the way it ought to be. Those leaves fall. They decompose, they feed the tree they fell from. Mm -hmm. So when I say, what's more fun than raking leaves? Just about anything Anything, is more fun than raking leaves. So don't. Well, the thing is, if it's not really thick, you could take your lawnmower and chop them up, mulch them up. I mean, my goodness, why don't they do that? What's the deal? Well, and and that's what we do in our yard, which is not a manicured lawn mm-hmm. but we do we run the mower over them chop them up, chop them up yeah. and they're they're absorbed back into the ground that's right you're just uh really making more work for yourself yeah to think you've yeah. got to remove leaves from your yard also to think you can't have trees because the leaves are too much trouble yeah now i have a huge willow oak and those little bitty leaves get caught in everything. <laughs> and so, yes, we have to clean our gutters and all of that. But I have come to think of them as really good mulched fertilizer. Basically, I blow them off the sidewalk and put them in a space where I know the soil's not real good. Yeah. Uh, so don't be afraid of leaves. No. 
Of course, now, if you have huge trees and it's 10 feet deep, I mean, yeah, you got to do something. you got to get it off the grass if yeah. you really want to grow grass. Uh-huh. Yeah, your turf grass might die if it gets 10 inches of leaves But if you've it. got a lot of trees, you might not have that good of a yard. More reasons to have that naturalized yeah. look. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I do treasure my big oak tree. Oh, yes. I, I have a friend that when she comes to my house, she hugs on it. <laughs> um you know when the best time is to plant a tree? Anytime. I know fall is. 20 years ago. 20 years ago, yeah. <laughs> When's the next best time to plant a tree? Next 20 years. Today. Yeah. <laughs> Today. So when you plant a tree, yes, sometimes you're planting for 20 years. From oh, now. yeah. You're living in Alabama. We are the queen of biodiversity. So um, when you look at your neighborhood, if there's nothing there but crepe myrtle, Pick out something else. Yeah. <laughs> so a compost bin for your leaves is also, if you're going to pick them up, put them in a compost bin, yeah. then you've got it to spread on something else. Okay, vegetables. And I have to admit I'm not a big vegetable gardener because the people at the orchard or at the farmer's market, they oh, do absolutely. a much they better job. Beautiful green beans Saturday morning. Oh, did they? Yes, and they were good. I bought and strawberries and blueberries. Cabbage. I wish I had. By the way, we're recording this in June, so don't go to the <laughs> farmer's market <laughs> in, the, in July or August no, looking for those things. They're not there. Yeah. So in September, you can plant, it says, beets, carrots, Brussels sprouts, collards, kale, lettuce, mustard, onions, seeds, radishes, spinach, Swiss chard, parsley, and turnips. To me, August is kind of the time that maybe things are slowing down a whole lot. Maybe you keep your... Flowers alive and things, what vegetables you're growing, of course, by watering. But Well, and your outside time becomes between 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock in the morning. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock yeah. at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't work the garden in the middle of the day in no, August. No, Just no. not going to happen. So, yes, those are times where you want to back off a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's time when either you've got most of your stuff in. And it's kind of slowing down. To me, it's a slowing down month. Yes. Because of the dry and the heat. Right. Okay, that's about it. Diane, yes. got any more jokes? I think I could come up with one. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ava. Okay, Ava. I have a lot of work to do in the garden today. Come and help me. <laughs> so, what do you call it when worms take over the world? I don't know. Global warming. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> okay, having heard our bad jokes, I'm sure that means you're going to tune in next time <laughs> to hear more. Thank you very much for listening. And I'm Emily Clem, and my partner is Diane Young. And we'll say thanks for sharing Talking Dirty at the Library. The library. You've been listening to Talking Dirty at the Library, a podcast produced by the athens Limestone County Public Library in Athens, Alabama. This podcast is produced in cooperation with the Limestone County Extension Office and Master Gardener Program. Join us next time to see where we're growing. And to hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, please visit the athens Limestone County Library website at alcpl.org. Library Voices is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 